Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Under the Sun, the unofficial podcast of the Sun Belt Conference. My name is TJ O'Sullivan alongside Kyle Nash. And we've got a good one for you today. We're going to start off, as always, going around the sun, checking out the sports that are not football, basketball, and baseball. But then we are going to dive right into basketball, our first recaps for some of the basketball uh, results, go into some predictions for them, and then we've got Week 10 football where the East, as we'll explain to you later, is getting that much closer to being claimed, and the West is still just as wild as it's ever been. But let me first introduce you to my partner in crime, Kyle Nash. I'm Kyle, how are we doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Um... It's November, and we're talking about tropical uh, tropical systems, uh, which is completely insane. But then again, this is the South. So, but other than having to deal with some rain in, in the next couple of days, which may impact some football games, uh, I'm doing good. And just man, basketball is here, and um, not really surprises because of. It being like you're playing either Division two teams or Division three teams, but it's just good to get basketball season up and running. Yeah, and I, I agree. Uh, and the one thing that I do want to point out is uh, the listeners have probably heard that we are back on Zoom. Um, that one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the quality has dipped a little bit, but that is uh, we are we are no longer in person anymore. I'm back home in Connecticut. Uh, just uh, working on an opportunity up here, but we are still bringing you the podcast. That has not changed. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, let, why don't we jump right into it? We've got a huge story that we're going to save for around the sun. Literally within the hour, we we yes. heard about this. Um, but by the time you guys are listening to this, you're probably going to know what it is. Uh, but for now, I think we should jump into around the sun. What do you think? I think we got a lot of talk about a lot of postseason play for some belt teams in soccer and in field hockey. Well, as I mentioned at the start of the broadcast, we have a segment where we go and talk about the sports that are not football, basketball, or baseball. We got to give some love to the rest of the athletic programs in the conference. So I'm going to pass it off to Kyle for a trip around the sun. Here we go. All right, well, men's soccer on Sunday started the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. West Virginia advanced with a 1-0 victory over the fifth seed, Coastal Carolina. Number one, Kentucky had to come from behind to defeat number eight, South Carolina. James Madison upset nationally ranked and the number two seed, Marshall Thundering Herd. And Georgia State defeated Old Dominion 3-1. to The semifinals are... Today, we are recording this on Wednesday, November 9th. The semifinals will be West Virginia at Kentucky and James Madison versus Georgia State. Women's soccer. This past weekend, the conference tournament uh, concluded with six-seed Old Dominion defeating four-seed James Madison 4-3 in overtime. This marks Old Dominion's third NCAA tournament appearance in 2006 and 2021, 0-2 in tournament play, and their task did not get any easier on Monday as they were slotted against number two seed North Carolina in the Notre Dame Regional. North Carolina is the only team to be in every 
Women's Postseason Tournament. So Old Dominion has their um, uh, backs against the wall. Volleyball, we're trying to get you know, clinch these divisions. Texas State and Troy for control of the West. Texas State now has a two-game lead over Troy thanks to a weekend series sweep. James Madison maintained control of the East by sweeping Marshall combined with Coastal getting swept by South Alabama. Uh, Texas State must go at least 1-1 one one against Coastal this weekend to clinch the division title outright. But we got to give some love to our Sunbelt teams and non-sponsored sports. Old Dominion so close to winning the Big East Conference Field Hockey Tournament Final 3-1 losing to Liberty. Despite going 15-3, they were snubbed by the tournament for the third straight year. They have not made a tournament since 2013. And we also have some conference news before we bring TJ back in. The Sun Belt has entered into a backup agreement with the Independence Bowl. If either Army isn't ineligible or the American Athletic Conference this season doesn't have enough eligible teams, then the bowl will pick a SBA Sun Belt team in its place. But I got to bring TJ back in here because we have some basketball updates we need to talk about. Yes, um, Queens. I was going to say, what, what do you think about this? Queens, um, North Carolina, in its first Division One game, upsetting Marshall 83-82. Like, what, what was your reaction to that? I mean, it was incredible. I mean, you, you watch in the, in the final seconds, uh, Kenny Dye for Queens. Um, he scored the go-ahead layup. Um, and Tavion Kinsey actually missed two uh, layups that would have won the game down the stretch. Uh, really good game all the way down to the wire and congratulations to Queens. Um, the other upset and we are still tied is, uh, in, in, um, <laughs> in, in basketball predictions, but yes. we both have a loss because Louisiana goes to Houston, the Houston team that we talked up, they beat them 55 to 48 huge upset. Tamara Johnson scored 15 points and grabbed 12 boards to lead the Cajuns. And we've got one more story. The one that we've I was been talking say, about. Did, yeah. Didn't, because uh, I believe you sent me a text, you know, as I was at the uh, Coastal versus St. Mary's Maryland game. And that text read Coastal the Carolina's text Asia Blunt was cleared to play by the NCAA. She was waiting on a transfer waiver um, because they did not work out at Tulane. So she is back at Coastal. She got the game time decision and she played against Georgia. Um, in that game against Georgia, she ended up, it is actually not on her profile yet, but this is a huge uh, win for for Coastal Carolina. They had she she's a career thirteen point nine uh, points per game, six point seven rebounds. Last year was by far her best year. She had nineteen point seven points. That's second in the Sun Belt Conference last year, and nine point five rebounds, nearly a double double on the season. And in that um, that first game in the uh, Sun Belt tournament, she scored forty one points in the first round to lead Coastal to the second round where they would eventually lose. Uh, but this is a huge win for Coastal. Uh, and head coach Kevin Pedersen uh, just gained a really good player. Absolutely. I'm actually looking up the um, 
game now. Uh, um, but yeah, no, definitely a uh, a coup. I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, um, you know, we hate it didn't work out for um, Asia Blunt and Tulane. You know, nothing against the uh, Green Wave program. It, it just wasn't a fit. But the fact that she was able to come back and they were able to grant the waiver right before um, tip-off. And really, if you think about it, in the first quarter, Coastal was only down by four. So let me let, let me pull up the box score real quick. It, it was a really Asia close Blunt game. Played, she played 28 minutes, scored 13 points, and had eight rebounds. She was second on the team in scoring behind uh, – I want to get the name correct – um, Anaya Barney, freshman right. Anaya Barney. Yeah, she's a new one. Uh, she she's a an addition to that team. Uh, she's playing in the in the uh, the backcourt along with Aaron Freeman in the starting lineup. Yeah, so you know, it, it's one of those things. Well, she, you know, she just got cleared. Yeah, she's been practicing with the team. Um, we were, we were able to confirm that just based on their social media posts. So, yeah. And this, and this um, was something that I actually went into the app state coastal Carolina game, which I was on the call for that game. I ran into, uh, the point of contact for the, uh, the women's basketball team. And I asked him that day. Um, and that was, uh, four days before tip off. Yeah. Yeah. That was four days before tip off. And I asked him, I was like, Hey, do we have any news? And at that point in time, they didn't. So huge huge pickup for coastal carolina i think it affects where they uh where they sit they're they're picked right now to finish i believe second to last in the um mm. in the uh the conference but i think that this is a huge boost it gives them some size it gives them some uh some scoring down low uh so huge pickup for coastal will keep you updated on how they are doing but that is around the sun um so actually there's there's one more thing i want to add to that before and it's not about the basketball but we got to give uh, um a shout out to a um sunbelt alum uh, isaiah likely now has his second career nfl touchdown both of them on prime time uh gotta give him give him some love he you know it was a 24 or 21 or 24 yard touchdown that he caught. So he's starting to become a target in high pressure situations, which anyone that was around in the coastal Carolina program knows he thrives in those high pressure situations. Yeah. He's been the benefactor of the absence of Mark Andrews and um, with, with Mark Andrews being out, um, he, he has been the, uh, the lead tight end. Uh, we're going to see what happens with him after this bye week that they're heading into. Um, we'll see how. I think, I think he's going to get at least three touchdowns this week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll listen, li- li- listen, by state university is, is a very tough program NFL or in college. I'm just saying <laughs> they, they, they constantly are ranked number one or number two in the ESPN bottom 10 poll. <laughs> oh well well that is that is around the sun and now we get into our top story which is just today within the hour we got word that 
Coastal Carolina quarterback Grayson McCall is out for the season. He had a lower body injury that he sustained in the week four game against Georgia State. And he has just he he hasn't looked the same since. We've seen Bryce Carpenter coming in a lot, and we thought that it was a bit strange if they're saying that he's yeah. good, if he's if he's ready to go. Um and now we finally know why. You can tell that it's bothering him um in in the games that he's playing. I mean, every single time he he gets hit in the lower region of his body, like it is. He, he ends up either limping off the field. He's been, he, he went down in the app state game. Um, and yeah. it's just, it's a tough loss for coastal, but uh, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Um, Kyle, I want to bring this to you. The, this is a two time reigning Sunbelt player of the year. Grayson McCall, the quarterback that led coastal to an undefeated season in 2020, the guy who last year, uh, the, the team picked up their uh, second loss under command of the backup, uh, Bryce Carpenter. Mm. How missed is he going to be in, in such a time like this where Coastal is one win away from clinching the East and potentially moving on into, um, into bowl season looking for a higher uh, bowl? Um, All right. But at this point in hmm. time, how confident are you with the absence of Grayson McCall that the Shauna clears continue that success? So I'll preface this by saying when we talked to, to um, coach Chadwell and we brought up the fact that, that the quarterback room is a, is one of the most like veteran uh, rooms, you know, position rooms on the team. So, you know, Bryce Carpenter isn't a freshman who's going to play his first collegiate game. He he is a senior. So, I mean, I'm it's it's going to be different, but they don't change their playbook as much because you know, it's the same playbook whether it's Carpenter or whether it's McCall. But McCall set the FBS efficiency record last year supplanting Mac Jones from the previous season. So when you have one of the most pass efficient quarterbacks in FBS, now you don't have him on the field. That's going to be, you know, you're going to be relying heavily on the run game that has been, you know, it's, it's no secret decimated by injuries. Um, yeah. And to that point, you know, talking about where they're going to miss uh, McCall in the passing game, Carpenter has attempted four passes all year. He's attempted four passes and he's completed one, which was at App State for a 31-yard touchdown, which we'll get into later. Um, mm. But Carpenter has not been known for his passing ability. He's been known for his running. He's, he's listed as a quarterback slash athlete on the official roster. And what I think is going to happen is you're going to see Coastal move back. Uh, you were talking about the playbook. I think it is going to change slightly. I think that mm -hmm. we're going to see Coastal move back into their 2020 playbook where the triple threat uh, or the, excuse me, the triple option was extremely prevalent. Um, and there's going to be less time. There's, there's going to be more uh, impact by the running backs than the receiving core. 
And I think that that's the direction that they're going to go in. If not, I don't know that I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that I don't have confidence in, in Bryce Carpenter because he has the most experience at quarterback on the entire roster. However, right. It's, it's, you're, you're talking about Bryce Carpenter versus Grayson McCall, one of the most efficient quarterbacks, as you were saying in NCAA history. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like this is, it's, this could go one of two ways. It, it, it can go one of two ways. It can go as is expected. They, they win two out of three um, and win both conference games. It's, it's, it's not that I don't have confidence in Bryce Carper. I have confidence in Jamie Chadwell. Um, right, and that's a, actually, that's a great point. So, actually, I, I, I got a question for you based on this, all right? It's actually a, a two-part question. Okay. So, the first question is, does it, if Coastal makes the conference championship game, we know they're making a bowl game, do you shut down – um, McCall for the rest of the season, and if you if you do, and the season doesn't end as you want it, if you're Jamie Chadwell, do you instead of entertaining offers from Power Five schools, do you decide no? I didn't like the way the season ended. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to leave. I, I, I don't want to go to a new job on a sour note. Well, in regards to the first part of your question, I think that, um, I, I think that McCall's done. I like I like I said, you can tell that his his foot is bothering him. I yeah. mean, he got rolled over in Georgia State um, in Atlanta. Um, and he came off the field for the rest of the game and Carpenter and, and, and Jared guest took over. Um, that's the other thing is that not only do you have Bryce Carpenter, but you also have Jared guest. Who's a, who's an extremely, uh, talented passer. I think that Bryce Carpenter, as it stands today, as of the decision, uh, it's Carpenter's job to lose. Um, but I think that, in regards to the second part of your question, I don't know that Jamie Chadwell leaves Coastal Carolina based on his quarterback getting injured. I think mm-hmm. that I, I think that the 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 thing about the injury coming at this time, I don't want to ever say that an injury has a best case scenario, but right. the best part about this about McCall getting sidelined this late in the season is that they're one game away from clinching the East. So yeah, if they beat Southern Miss, which as of right now, it looks like they should, then they will have the East and they have uh, two weeks to prepare. Uh, well, two weeks of football to prepare for the Sunbelt conference championship against what's looking like Troy. Um, and Troy has a pretty good defense. So it's yes. now up in the air that that's the pros and cons is you have essentially right. gotten McCall through the process of clinching the East, but now <laughs> winning the conference just got a heck of a lot harder. I agree. So um, before we move on to um, talking about the games this past weekend, just 
answer. If you're if you're Grayson McCall, uh, you are a redshirt junior. You you could have left after last season to go to the NFL. Do you, based on your rehab, if your rehab is ahead of schedule, do you declare for the NFL draft or do you uh, use your last year of eligibility? I I, I think. No matter what happens, I think he was, this is going to be his last season in, in Conway and that he was going to – the only way he would not go to the NFL draft is if he basically was told um, you're going to be a third-day pick and they're going to ask you to change uh, change positions. Well, here's the, the, the sad and unfortunate truth of this and and this could be a hot take I could catch flack for this. Grayson McCall as a redshirt freshman leading the 2020 Shauna Clears to an undefeated regular season and a co Sunbelt championship. That Grayson McCall the ceiling was so high. Mm-hmm. Sophomore year he went down for 2 weeks with an injury. And then in that offseason, got a, um, uh, an operation done on his shoulder and now is going down with a lower body injury and he's sidelined for the rest of the regular season. Mm-hmm. I think that he needs to not touch the field again until next season. And I think that he has one of two options, either A, he needs to return to Coastal, and he needs to put up some serious numbers. He was on pace for his best season passing. But when, yeah. you, when you compare him to guys like Hendon Hooker and Bryce Young, who are going up against consistently better competition and are also putting up four or 5,000-yard passing seasons, it's hard to say that McCall, as good as he is, it's hard to say that McCall can get the same sort of, I guess, gets the same reputation, especially now that he's, he's dealt with a couple different injuries. I think that he needs to either return to Coastal and put up career numbers or, unfortunately, for Coastal fans and alumni like you and I, he needs to enter the transfer portal and he needs to go to a Power 5 school. Um, that's kind of that. That's kind of where his options lie right now. I don't think that he's NFL draft ready. Yeah, because one, the one thing they're going to uh, look at is your your injury, your history of injuries. So that's 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 going to be a a negative against him. Um, it's it's going to be once again, Grayson McCall is going to be taking a. Uh, Coastal fans' breath away in the offseason, um, patiently waiting his decision. So, and of course, when we hear about it, we will definitely report on it. But let's get into some uh, football predictions or uh, football recaps, shall we? We shall. All right. Well, ULM finally gets back on the winning track. Apparently, somebody that we know, we're not going to mention anybody's name but he's currently in Connecticut right now, must have called him and said, if you lose, you I will no longer support you. And they won a 31-30, very close game against Texas State. 
the last drive of the game was really the uh, what really hit home. Down 31-30, a minute 30 left in the game. Texas State recovered a Warhawks fumble on the 36-yard line. You have 36 yards to get a to get a touchdown. After two plays and a face mask face mask penalty, put the ball on the 16-yard line. They had two incomplete passes and a five-yard loss. Forced the Bob forced the Bobcats to kick a 38-yard field goal. Seth Keller. Um, channeling his inner Florida State kicker room from the 1990s, pulled the ball wide right with seven seconds left to hand the Warhawks the victory. Um, and this was a team, ULM outscored Texas State 31-9 after the first quarter. But what do you think about the, uh, what, what, about the player of the game, Tyrone Howell, in, in his day? I mean, Tyrone Howell was – Incredible. I mean, 176 yards on 12 receptions, two touchdowns. He averaged 14.7 yards per catch. I mean, he he really did it all. But I would give a close second place to Chandler Rogers, the uh, quarterback for ULM. Um, going back and looking at his game, um, the, his his games uh, from this season, um, he has been the quarterback in it's saying four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got, he's got four games worth of, uh, of, um, of, of starting. And he threw for 310 yards in this one, 70% completion rate, two touchdowns. His lone interception was the one blemish, but he's putting together one heck of a season. Um, He's got 19, he's got 1,911 yards, uh, a, a completion percentage of 70.8, which is, we're talking Grayson McCall numbers right now. Um, right. He's, he's got uh, uh, six uh, interceptions to his 14 touchdowns. I mean, Chandler Rogers is really stepping it up this year. And I got to tell you, this is a really dangerous, dangerous team to be um, re- really dangerous team. And I, I, I said it last week. I said, I think I have to jump off the ULM bandwagon and ULM won. Right. So I think, I think that's like, that, that is confirmed. It's me. It, it has it's to you. be. Me. I, I, I apologize to head coach Terry Bowden. Um, I, I've been, um, I've been forcing you guys to underperform this year. It's 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 completely my fault. Um, Honestly, and I'll seriously say this: I think this is the first time that Bowden actually liked a wide right kick. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, um, <laughs> as, as I was telling you about on a, on a phone call, like uh, the Florida State Miami rivalry in the '90s was as heated as anyone in college football, and on multiple occasions. The Florida State could have won the game on a on a field goal wide right, like literally when the game's known as wide right one and wide right two, that's not a good thing. So, uh, yeah, ter- uh, Terry Bowden is or uh, yeah, Terry Bowden definitely liking the um, uh, wide right from Texas State. 
So the other thing I wanted to talk about in this game was ULM had three fumbles and lost all three of them. So it's kind of a surprise that they were able to come back and, and overcome three turnovers. Um, they only uh, picked off, they, they picked off Lane Hatcher once um, and picked up a turnover that way, but three turnovers, Kyle, three of them. And it led to a 21 point first quarter, um, and they had uh, the Texas State scored uh, in every single uh, quarter, uh, three field goals throughout the last three. Uh, ULM had a slow start, 17 points in the second quarter, and then a touchdown in uh, each quarter in the second half. So um, talking about turnovers and, and cutting down on mistakes, I mean, they, they got away with a big one there, but it could have been it, it could have been a much better win. Absolutely. Um, the last drive they had before the uh, Texas State's last drive, like I said, they got that fumble, but they were unable to capitalize on that like they did earlier in the game when they uh, took a fumble and ran it seven plays down for a touchdown. So uh, ULM may not be in the running for the West Division title, but they will be giving Everyone, some headaches. Speaking of teams that are investing in headache medicine right now, Southern Miss Golden Eagles, after Georgia State used them to continue to rebound from their slow start with a 42-14 domination of the team. There really was no drive of the game because Georgia State just dominated from pillar to post. And how's this for a career, the first ever career start? You run 163 yards on 24 carries and three touchdowns. That was Marcus Carroll. And not only that, um, I think the SID department at Georgia State had a lot of uh, uh, invested in some whiteout because some records, start uh, team records, are in the process of being broken this season. Did did you see the list that I that, that I uh, the research I did for that? I I did. I was I was sitting along uh, alongside you, but like, why don't you go down the list of the the records that could potentially be broken right after I give Darren Granger a shout out because Darren oh, yeah, Granger you, oh, yeah. is Darren Granger's my player of the game. Um, okay. Not only so you look at his passing stats, 133 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Unremarkable, right? Add that yeah. to the fact that he had 143 rushing yards as a quarterback. That leads to 276 all-purpose yards. It's his third straight uh, uh 100 rushing game. Um, it like Darren Granger. I've been saying it all year. He is something else. And, you, you, you know, they're, they're, they're coming back on the, in the second half of the season, just like they always do. They're, they're improved to four and five. And I think that Granger has a huge part to that. But it doesn't hurt that Marcus Carroll has 163 yards and, and Tucker Gregg only 28 yards, but he adds a touchdown to his career total, which is a great segue back into what, you we're going to talk about absolutely so um i gotta give a shout out to uh whoever wrote the uh recap on georgia state's athletic website 
uh, and their entire um, um, SID department for basically putting this list together. Uh, Georgia State ran for 388 uh, yards, the third highest total in Georgia State history. The 202 yards of offense, Golden State, uh, Golden State, the Golden Eagles were held to broke a school record by one yard. Georgia, uh, the Panthers tied school record with seven sacks. Darren Granger, uh, talking about rushing, he he raised his rushing career totals to thirteen hundred and three yards, passing Dan Ellington to become the career leader among quarterbacks and seventh overall. Tucker Gregg, uh, with that one touchdown, he needs two more, either passing or res- or rushing. I'm um, receiving or rushing to pass Albert Wilson's school record of 26 combined touchdowns scored um, that excludes quarterbacks or excludes um, passing touchdowns. Uh, Thomas Gore now has nine and a half sacks, moving into the top five of the uh, Panthers sack list. And Antavius Lane's first interception of the season moves him two away from breaking uh, Quavian White's school record of 11 two more things about um talk about touchdowns responsible for darren granger and tucker greg are moving up on that list granger now sits in third place with 41 total touchdowns the record is 59 by nick arbuckle in 2014-2015 tucker greg is now in sixth place if he gets uh, has a multiple touchdown game next week he will um, move into fifth place above Cornelius Brown, the fourth. And <sighs> whew, that's, that's, a, that's a lot of um, moving parts. And, of course, Southern Miss was saying, and we got to go to Conway next week? Yee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the other thing that I want to point out in, in regards to Darren Granger. You said he had – uh, 1303, 1303, um, rushing yards with Georgia state. He has over 1600, yep. um, in his collegiate career when he was first with Furman, but of those 1303 yards, he, he's already passed his, his rushing total from last year. And with the way that he's playing his last three games, he has a hundred, uh, yard rushing games he's got three to go in the regular season he could potentially have a 1,000 yard rushing season in addition as a quarterback and and I haven't even looked at how many people have done that in college I know that um I know that Michael Vick did it in the NFL I I remember and I know that Lamar's done it a couple of times but like that is incredible. I, you know, just being that much of a threat in, in both uh, the passing game and the, uh, the rushing game. I mean, that's Georgia state. He, he gave coastal issues last year when, when we called that game in Conway. And ever since then, I've just been keeping tabs on him. He is just, he, he is such a talent for, for this Georgia state team. And they're going to need him down the stretch. Let's talk about – let's go a little out, out of conference. I think the next two games will be kind of quick. Uh, Louisville, 
gets back on track with a 34 to 10 victory over James Madison. Don't let the score fool you. It was 10, 10 at halftime. Unfortunately, that's when Malik Cunningham decided it's time to, you know, put his foot down. Um, the loss is uh, James Madison's third straight. The first time since the end of the 2013 season, they have been on a three game skid, but they got to Malik Cunningham three times and had 10 tackles for loss. But um, talk, talk to me about the drive of the game. Yes. Yeah, so the drive of the game after scoring a field goal on their first drive of the second half, uh, James Madison wanted to keep the game close. Uh, unfortunately, three and out and gave Louisville the ball back on the first play of the ensuing Louisville drive. Tyon Evans for Louisville rushed for a 71-yard touchdown, giving the Cardinals the momentum, and they would not look back. Um, it's an unfortunate skid for James Madison, who started the season so good. Uh, they, you know, earning their first ever AP poll top 25 ranking, and then immediately after getting on that list, three straight losses, um, it's unfortunate that the season that they had in the first half is not translating to the second, but um, James Madison, like, like we've been saying all year, they're going to be a problem um, later in the year or, or excuse me, next year and in years to come. So why don't we just move on to the next one, um, which there's not much to talk about in this one either. Uh, Marshall no. shuts down old dominion, completely shuts them out holds them scoreless. Marshall wins 12 to nothing. There is no drive of the game, but there is a player of the game, and it happens to be the only player that scored <laughs> points. Reese Verhoff, the Marshall kicker, is responsible for all 12 of Marshall's points, all, all uh, 12 of them coming off of field goals. Um, I mean, heck of a performance from him. When nothing else is going, you might as well uh, – might as well rely on your kicker. Um, one thing that that did stand out is Kalan Laburn back on track. He has 139 yeah. rushing yards in this game, um, which is great for Marshall going into uh, going into this game, which is the um, the anniversary, as you mentioned, of the um, the uh, the plane crash um, that took the lives of the uh, the Marshall team. Um, and it is good that he's back on track because I've have you seen those uniforms? They they have some really nice special uniforms for that game. Uh, I think that the electricity is going to be um, off the charts, but I think it's really good. Oh, that, the, oh the, that's uh, a star the, player. Uh, the App State. Are you talking about the App State Marshall yeah, game? Yeah, the App State Marshall game. I think it's going to be a really good game because you know with all that electricity uh, and all the emotions in the air it's it's good to get your lead rusher and your your lead offensive weapon back on track in time for that game because that is as as we just saw uh last thursday uh app state is a very tough team and we knew that going in but now we finally seen them in person um so like i oh, said I, not I, much I, to talk I'm, about i'm looking at the uh i'm looking at the um helmets now of you know, you know the the seventy five on the sideline, and also uh, like the, the like a, a bison logo on the helmet, and then in the strip in the middle, 
you know, it, it, it has a green strip on each side, but then in the, in the main white strip, it has all the names of the players and all, all the names of the people who were, um, who perished in that plane crash. So, which I think Gaff, is really nice. Oh, it is, it is awesome. And honestly, it is going to be a, uh, like I said, a very emotional game. Um, I'm, I'm glad it's a team like Appalachian state because they have such a rich history and we'll, and we'll talk about that when we get to predictions, they have such a rich history with those two schools. They were in the Southern conference together until Marshall moved up to division one, a, and to see them reunited in the Sun Belt, and then this um, this game being scheduled at this time. Now that's ooh, man, it's going to be fun. But here's an interesting fact about the um, shutout of Old Dominion. This was the first time that a Marshall team held an opponent scoreless on the road since defeating Moorhead State 35 nothing on September 17th, 1983. So it's been a while. It's it, it has been a minute. I know, yes. Thanks thanks for the old jokes. I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, were you at the game? I'm sorry. Uh <laughs> no. I, I, I couldn't have I couldn't have been the game. A uh, um I've never lived in Kentucky. B I was a month old. Oh <laughs> <all right. laughs> no judgment here, but one other no, no one judgment. other shout out for that game is Reese Verhoff with that performance earned himself yes. uh special teams player of the week. So congratulations Absolutely. to him. Good win for Marshall. And uh, they head into the game against App State with some momentum. Um, like we said, not much else to say about that game. Um, we have Which a little is bit the exact op- uh, yeah. the exact opposite of the next game. Which we have a little bit to talk about this one. South Alabama continues to inch closer to the West Division lead with a thirty-eight to thirty-one victory over Georgia Southern. Tell me about the player of the game, Kyle. Uh, LaDamian Webb, he had 35 carries, 247 yards, and four touchdowns, which broke the school record set by Trey Minter against Coastal Carolina in 2018 by 44 yards. The four touchdowns matched Dalen Tolbert's standard set in 2019 now, Tolbert's were all receiving touchdowns. The four touchdowns actually broke the rushing touchdown record set by three different Jaguars. He is the first player to have two games in three plus rushing, uh, two games of three plus rushing touchdowns since Kawan Baker in 2018, and just the second to do it in the same season, and the first to do it in back to back games. Um, I think uh, LaDamian Webb is kind of upset that uh, Kalan Laybourne has been taking a lot of the running back uh, uh, shine. So he wanted to say, hey, look at me. Look what I'm doing. Get out of my way. So um, crazy stat line for uh, Damian Webb. And like 
this victory gave South Alabama its seventh win of its season, the most in its FCS history. Now, I did not notice until doing research for this game. Their first two seasons in 2009 and 2010, they were unclassified. I've I've never heard that before. Um, in fact, their first season was seven and zero, and they played a mixture. Uh, in their second season, they were ten and zero. But those schedules were littered with FCS teams, Division two teams, and NAIA schools. So, like, even though that counts, this is the most wins they've had in a classified as either FCS or FBS because their first classified year was their beginning of their transition to FBS. So um, congratulations to South Alabama. They're setting history, but that's not the only history that some of, uh, some of these players are uh, looking to etch this season. Yeah. Kadri Jackson, Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern, um, returned an interception for a touchdown the first allowed by south alabama in a year they have not let up a touchdown off of an they have not allowed a pick six uh since last season uh a touchdown catch by jalen wayne moved him into ready for this a tie for fifth in career touchdown receptions with 12 a tie for seventh most touchdowns in a season with seven and extended his catch streak to 24 straight games. That's two full, two full regular seasons of football that he's caught a ball in. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible. I mean, this, uh, this started in the 2020 season. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And then you also got uh, uh, Kalon Lacey becoming the 13th player to eclipse a thousand yards receiving in in his career and get himself in, in the uh, conversation of best uh, receivers in, uh, in South Alabama. So I I think they borrowed the uh, wide out from Georgia state because, you know, if there's one thing that we have learned in just the in this being the eighth, epi- eighth episode is that um, the Sun Belt teams definitely want to rewrite their record books and leave their mark on their schools and their universities. So now South Alabama, now that they have their seventh win, now they want to go one step further. They want to win the West, but they have to go through Troy. And if Troy does what they did to out to uh, Louisiana, that's going to be a tough task. So Troy won on a touchdown with the last in five seconds remaining to win twenty three to seventeen. I'll I'll break down the drive in just a minute, but uh, tell me about uh, Kamani Vidal, TJ. Yeah, Kamani Vidal, uh, 21 carries, 117 yards and a touchdown. Um, his 21-yard rushing touchdown in the final seconds put him over the 100-yard mark. Um, he had 112 yards, at, or excuse me, 117 yards in a TD. Um, it, it, it was good, great game for him. Um, and with five seconds 
left. You, you, that just an absolutely heartbreaking way to lose uh, for Louisiana, who is still just having a really tough season. Uh, they've had their ups and downs and more downs than ups. Um, mm-hmm. But another name that we've been talking about breaking records all season long when we found out we're, about it. And we're trying to figure out which, what number is the record because we, we're, we're, we're getting multiple, um, you know, in doing research, getting multiple numbers and multiple names. All we know is according to Troy's recap, uh, this player is tied for third in career tackles. Net player's name is Carlton Marshall. 526 tackles. Like that is just, you know, you're averaging almost, I would say, probably 10 a game at, at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of, of tackles. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> there's... There's not much else to say. He he has been a threat and and a serious force on the defensive side of the ball for Troy. Um, and I mean he he had a game high thirteen tackles uh, in that game against uh, Louisiana. So just continuing to uh, move up the list. Um, yeah, I mean he's 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 up with the names such as uh, we mentioned Luke Keekley, uh, but who. You you were doing some research and and you came up with a name that really stood out. Who who, who was that guy? Okay, now I'm going to have to find the player's name. Because because the other thing, like I I just want to like while you're looking for that, just sort of say like we've been getting some some different um we, we we've gotten some different results in our searches uh at first it was like he's he's very close to being number one and luke keekley was number one and now there's this other guy thrown into the mix and then we were talking about his numbers oh but here you go go ahead john john offer offer doll has 694 tackles for the western michigan broncos from 1982 to 1985 so if now this is as since the 1960 season, but then you look up the NCAA records, they show since the 2000 season, a uh, player from Northwestern who had like 545. So I'm like, yeah, I, I, li- I literally just told you, I don't know what the, which one to believe. So all I know is uh, based on what the Troy recap said, he is tied for third. So he will be in third place by himself next week. I'm curious to see when they say he passes number two um, this season, but still 526 tackles is nothing to sneeze at in, in a career. No, it um, is not. but Let's let's let, let me talk about this last drive because you know it's it was funny. So I was driving around and you texted me on Saturday. Turn on Troy versus Louisiana now. Well, 
I didn't have a TV in my car, so I, I turned on the radio feed, and I came on at the right time. So I came on as Louisiana called their third and final timeout. All right? But Louisiana just had a three and out. Troy gets the football with a minute 22 left. First play, Gunnar Watson passed up the middle to Kamani Vidal for five yards. Um, Pat, incomplete on second and five. Third and five, uh, incomplete to Tez Johnson. But there is a pass interference penalty on the Raging Cajuns uh, enforced at the spot of the foul for nine yards, putting the ball first and 10 on Troy's 46. Five-yard completion to Vidal, a 13-yard completion to Tez Johnson, as TJ wants to interject. The other thing about that pass interference, that was a tough yeah. call. That was okay. a really tough call. Um, Tez Johnson um, was running by him, and and I just I I saw um, the receiver just fall down. That was okay. that was what I remember seeing. Um, and it, it's a tough call. I think it could have gone either way, but it, it was detrimental for Louisiana. All right. Um, Troy took a timeout with 39 seconds with the ball on the, the um, uh, Louisiana 36. Incomplete p- uh, pass to Johnson. Uh, he redeemed himself with a four-yard pass. Louisiana calls her timeout. This is where I come. I, I t- I'm turning on the radio. You're telling me to... It needs to, uh, yeah, I need to watch it. Uh, Kamani Vidal rushes up the middle for 10 yards. First and 10, Louisiana 22. There's um, 10 seconds remaining. All right. Kamani Vidal uh, rushes up the middle for 22 yards, gets a touchdown, but it was not. I believe it was. It was initially called down at like the one. They, they were uns- You know, they they did uh, uh, review it and they overturned it, and it, it was a touchdown, giving Troy a come from behind victory. And then, of course, the PAT was blocked. So it's twenty three seventeen. And what what happens on the last play with Louisiana has five seconds left? Very enthusiastically, the Troy uh, uh, radio team called this. Uh, ben Wooldridge was sacked for a loss of six yards and then fumbled the ball, giving Troy the twenty three seventeen victory. That was the that was the drive of the game because it basically won the game. And to with Troy being in, even they even talked about it. This is um, they didn't want it to go down to a, a last second situation like it did against Appalachian State. But as you you could you could hear the weight off their shoulders as soon as he was sacked on that for on that first play, they knew it was going to be a victory. So like that that right there. If Troy continues to play like that, South Alabama is going to be watching the Sun Belt Championship game. Right. And, um, I mean, Troy found a way to get it done. Could not have picked a better time 
uh, in the season to f- find a way. Um, yep. Ben Wooldridge, uh, Louisiana quarterback, uncharacteristic game, only 112 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, very uncharacteristic for him. Uh, they got it done on the ground, um, but it was it it was tough to watch at times. Like you know, he he had he, he's had such a good season so far, and he in the games where it most matters, he does not step up. And Louisiana, unfortunately, is going to have to. Uh, I I think that they're completely out of it. Uh, they they yeah. are mathematically. Um, yeah, they are. But, they are mathematically out of it. Yeah, but um, we'll. Uh, they they're gonna have to figure some things out out in this off season and um, come back next year. Right, but that that takes us to our last game, and, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take take it from here because you were on the call at WTC Radio of Coastal Carolina defeating. Appalachian State 35-28 for the second consecutive time in Conway and coming in ever so closer to clinching the East Division. TJ, talk to me. I mean, what an atmosphere, first of all. Um, they, they started oh. off – you you and I are both at this game. They start the game introducing Coastal Carolina in the middle of um, – they had a uh, – a biker, uh, a biker gang like lined yes. the field and rev their engines. It was the coolest thing that I've ever seen at that stadium. I mean, you you pull out all the stops for big boy ESPN coming to town, but wow, like what what a start to that game! And that's when we knew with how packed it was in uh, in in Brook Stadium, and and with that entrance, this was going to be a crazy game. And from the get go, it was all coastal it it really right. was coastal uh jumped out in front and uh, i'm gonna go quickly to the to the drive of the game first uh and it came in the first quarter um they start on their own 22 after app state ties the game seven to seven that's 418 left in the first quarter jared brown who is the player of the game leads the drive with two straight big runs to bring coastal to App State's 31-yard line. So Bryce Carpenter then enters the game, right? Mm-hmm. And he is the package quarterback. That's how he's been uh, used primarily in this game. So anytime a call comes out, Carpenter comes on, they're going to run some form of option or quarterback keeper. I've been waiting for this to happen all season. Carpenter takes the handoff. And throws it to Xavier Gravette for a touchdown, 31 yards, gives Coastal the lead. They would not give it back. It was a huge right. momentum shift. You could feel it in the stadium like Coastal was really about it. But the big thing, uh, uh, aside from Jared Brown, because we'll talk about his stat line in a minute, Coastal's defense, this is, you know, we said that they haven't looked better um, than they have against Georgia State. Yeah, no, Coastal's defense against App State this past week looked like the Coastal Carolina defense of old. They held App State's three-headed dragon of running backs in Cameron Peoples, Nate Noel, and Dacher Carrington. Held all three of them for a combined 62 yards. 
88 rushing yards as a team. And here's the other thing that, and I got to, I got to looking about this. When, when we, you and I spoke about how it has to burn coastal a little bit that they let up 256 yards to Blake Watson when they lost to ODU, the second worst uh, rushing offense in the nation at the time. So before the old dominion lost, right. Coastal opponents averaged 118.2 yards rushing per game. Then we get to ODU and they give up over 256, uh, 256 to one player. Since the ODU loss, that's Marshall and App State, they have averaged, well, first off, 87 yards for Marshall, 88 yards for App State. You're going up against the, at the time, number two rusher in the nation in Kalan Laburn, and you're going up against the three-headed dragon in App State in Cameron Peoples, Nate Noel, Deidre Carrington. You just shut mm-hmm. down two of the best rushing attacks in the Sun Belt, in the nation. But you shut them down <clears throat> and hold them to an average of 87.5 yards per rush or yards per game. So the closest third one would be, uh, and I I was looking at this actually, um, the close third for best rushing offenses would be Georgia State with Tucker Gregg. Coastal shut them down for 78 yards, and that was the best best that they'd looked until that time. So I'll ask you this question. Do you think that Coastal, their defense in particular – do you think that they make it a point to play better against better teams and maybe drop the ball against the uh, the lesser? I don't want to say lesser, but the um, the the less talented offenses when it comes to rushing defense. So, are are, are you talking about um, App State? Seem I'm sorry, Coastal seems to play to its competition. If it's uh, if the team is a top team, they play up to them. If a team isn't, they play down to them. I is think that it's more. I think it's more of a. And my my dog is is uh, whining in my face. Um, I it's think okay. that. He- <laughs> stop it! All right, um, come here. So we we are definitely keeping that in. <laughs> we can. Um, I think what I'm asking is. You look at these offenses, Tucker Gregg in Georgia State, Tucker Gregg, the star rusher, uh, one of the most prolific rushers in recent Sunbelt history, holds that rushing offense to 78 yards on the ground. Kalan Laburn, seven games to 1,000 yards, the number two rusher in the nation at the time of the Marshall Coastal Carolina game, 87 yards as a team for Marshall. App State. As I just said, 62, excuse me, 63 yards for the the three-headed dragon. And let me get the, uh, let me get the number exactly correct. Um, 88 yards as a team for App State. So, I mean. Do you think star factor has, has to do with it? In a way, probably. I wouldn't say 100%. 
Um, because if there's one thing we know about Jamie Chadwell, he's definitely not going to uh, let his team view their one opponent le- as lesser than, than another opponent. Um, but you got to remember, these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, 21-year-old kids. They, you're, you're going to be extra hyped for bigger opponents. You're going to be extra hyped when you're playing against a team who you're supposed to not compete against, or you're, you're, you're supposed to lose to. So you, you have that factor. Um, all in all, I, I agree with your statement. I, I think that's probably what it was, but it wasn't um, them actively doing it. I think it was more passively. So they're trying not to, but it just seems to when when the, when the chips are down in high pressure situations, that's that's when Coastal stamps up. And typically, it's it's against an App State, it's against a Georgia State, it's against uh, Marshall now. So, and I think that's a re- another reason why we lost Old Dominion is because we viewed them as a they were our homecoming opponent. So we viewed them in a lesser frame, unfortunately, and we paid for it. Now, we have a similar situation this weekend with Southern Miss. Do we go into this game like we win against Old Dominion? Or do we go, we want to win the East Division title. So we, we need to treat that running back. Like it's the like they are the the leader in FBS and shut them down. If you're coastal, yes, and yeah, yeah, yeah if yeah. you're coastal. Yeah. Um, but I, I do want to um say um two things. I know you're. I think you're going to talk about uh, uh Taven Jackson, but I was I was looking something up. And you you did notice uh, after the game that uh, fans rushed the field. You yes. know, there's been uh, numerous instances in the SEC this season where uh, universities were fined uh, $100,000 for rushing the field. Um, a article was posted two days ago by Dennis Bright on WBTW here in Myrtle Beach um, asking the question, was Coastal going to get fined? Um, is, Coastal is, uh, according to a spokesman, the university does not anticipate a fine after the st- students stormed the field. Five students were hurt during the celebration, including three that had to be taken to the hospital. Now, Coastal, the CC official, have not been available to talk about the school's policy since the incident, but the game day fan guide published online clearly states that fans are to, quote, Refrain from entering the playing field at any time, including after the game. Uh, News 13 reached out to the Sunbelt Conference to find out about its policy and for comment, but didn't hear back before the publishing. So I want to ask this question. Um, should Should there be a universal policy um, that each that every conference has to adopt that says if your fans storm the field, you should expect a fine. I think we're eventually going to get to that point because in week 10 alone, there were three instances. 
There was App State Coastal. There was Clemson Notre Dame. Yeah. And there was LSU Bama. And I believe L- the LSU president will be more than happy to pay that one hundred thousand dollar fine. Yeah, just and 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 Tennessee earlier in the year. So I think that we're eventually going to get to that point because you think about fans storming the field like that. Mm. That wasn't really like it wasn't really that common um, until Notre Dame did it in 2020. Then it became almost like a meme. When Notre Dame yep. did it, when Clemson was in town, that was the first instance in a really long time. I think that that fans have stormed the field for a football game. We also got to remember in, in, in that season, it was more like, yeah, we, 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 we can't even do Jersey swaps because of everything going on with COVID at that time. Right. And that's, that's the other thing. But since that fans are just, fans are just storming. It, it is, it is constant fan storming. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there were some fans on the field for, um, for uh, the the coastal BYU game, and then in the Cure Bowl in 2021, they stormed the field. Right. So I've actually, it's crazy. I've been at two games where they've stormed the field on the call. It's it's actually wild, and I have been calling games for a year. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, how what what are the odds, right? So I think that we're going to get to the point where they're going to put a ban on it. I don't think that they're especially after what happened. Uh, in the coastal app state game with the, with the students yeah. getting hurt. Uh, it's a, it's a long way down from the bleachers on, on uh, Brooks uh, stadium down to Benton field. Uh, so I think that they're going to need to, at some point um, when that will be, who knows? I think it's good. for. I, I think personally it's good for the sport right now because, yeah. you know, like when uh, uh, I agree, when LSU and Tennessee um, beat Bama this year, that was electric. I mean, they brought down goalposts. They, they, uh, the, you know, and and the university officials were happy about it. Like just the fact that the students were showing school spirit. But for safety, I think it's eventually going to happen. It's not oh, going to be me was, that advocates there, for it. No, there was a. Um, uh, I, I can't remember. There was a, um, there was a video floating around. I think it was from the Notre Dame uh, Clemson game. Uh, it was it was the next day where they had a security briefing where they're standing at one of the go- where one of the goalposts used to be, and literally you 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 hear the guy who's running the briefing and he says, "Well, if you notice, we're missing a goalpost." Yeah, we were kind of expecting that. <laughs> like, like what? That's the security briefing. <laughs> it's, um, it's but just I, it is, but on the other side of that, and I, and there's one thing that, that I do want to uh, say is um, some of these universities are going to co- um, some of the student sections are going to cost their team yards and victories um, based on some of the chance that were um, coming from the student section at Coastal on at the App State game. Uh, the university had to put out a statement basically saying, yeah, you know, there was some unflattering chance that could be heard on a national audience. And 
I'm I'm surprised. You know, they made one announcement. If if I was a referee, and I'm not saying this as a coastal alum, I'm saying this as as a um, as a um, unbiased observer. If I was the referee and I heard that again, I I would have flagged coastal 15 yard fun sports with my conduct. I think that's and, and 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 imagine if we had lost the game because the student section kept saying that chant. Mm-hmm. You know, Jamie Chadwell. It was a certain four-letter word. Right. We're 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 not mentioning it because of you know we're trying to keep this PG. I it's mean, like, we could. It's like we, fire truck, but you 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 take out some of the letters in the middle. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. So, I mean, don't, don't don't get me wrong. I love, you know, I'm okay with booing the opponent, um, telling him to block that kick and all that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. But when you're Just remember using, there are children there. Just remember there are children. I know. You know? I know. And the student section acting like children. <laughs> no, no, no. I but, mean, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing yeah, with you. I'm saying, like, yeah, you yeah. Know, remember that there are not just college students there. There are... There are locals from the area that have brought their families, uh-huh. and you wouldn't do that at a. Uh, you wouldn't start that chant at an NFL game, or like no. a, a WWE event, or a baseball game. Well, you know, now, WWE. Well, now, well, not in this decade. Wouldn't. Not in this decade. But uh, not in this decade. But not, you know, just not, just nineteen ninety eight. Oh, yeah. Consider it. Just take that into consideration. Like there, because there we understand a, um, that the there, Sun Belt has some rabid fan bases. But let's, let's oh, absolutely for the kids. You know, let's 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 show the nation that the Sun Belt not only has the most rabid fan base, but it the best fans. Right. Um. I I, I had I, there was a family sitting probably about three rows in front of me, uh, and. Um, I think when, when one of those chants started, I literally saw the little girl just look at her mother and I'm going, Oh, that's a conversation. (laughs) I don't want, I don't want to know what that conversation's like. (laughs) Honey, don't say that word. And I'll be honest, I'm guilty of it too, but I don't think I've ever used that particular chant. I think it's more of, I'm yelling at the players on the field as a stupid freshman (laughs) And I get it, but let's, yeah, 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 let's yeah, clean yeah, it up. Yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah. Let's clean it but, up. When it was, well, here's the other thing. When it was just us in the student section doing it and the stadium wasn't all that packed, it was a little different. When you've got an entire horseshoe chanting that, that's an attendance on record. ESPN. With an attendance record crowd, probably need to clean some things up. Right. And uh, I, I heard someone was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, App State did that to us last year. I'm like, OK, can you be better than them? Yeah, exactly. Be the bigger, be the bigger and, and, person. And, and, and I, I say that. Yeah. Yeah, but that's I mean, I would say that if the matchup was Old Dominion versus Southern Miss, if it was Marshall versus Troy, I, I would say the same thing. But. Um, now that we just got off of our uh, got on our off of our soapbox, um, yeah, and we talked, yeah. I mean, it was you know, it was just one of those things that it needed to be addressed. Like if if we if both of us were in the stadium for Marshall versus Old Dominion, and that was happening, we'd be having the same conversation. So right, um, it was just we 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 both heard it. Just wanted to 
you know, make sure that, hey, you know, clean it up. Just, you know, if they did it to you, it's like, uh, you know, I'm going to say something my dad always told me. If they if they jump off a bridge, are you? Depends so, on App State's fan. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, let's 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 talk about uh, Taven Jackson. Though that that interception he had, ooh, one yard shy of a pick six. Oh, that was that was four so yards. Close. Fifty-four yards. He cut back, and it was. That was the that was the dagger in my opinion. Um, it was just you know Bryce threw that ball. It wasn't in the same area code as an App State receiver, and Jackson was just he huge momentum shift, and it led to a uh, a three touchdown lead as Reese White ran it in. So now we talk about. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and I think it was the next to last App State touchdown where uh, literally the wide receiver was like wide open. I, I literally turned to someone next to me. I said, uh, I think the defender was in um, Carolina. One of the defenders was in Carolina Forest, and the other one was in uh, Merle's Inlet. Because there was nowhere, no defender was in like 10 yards of, of the receiver. So, you know, bo- both teams. But, uh, What's Coastal got to do to win the uh, Sunbelt East? They're one win away from clinching. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be Southern Miss. But if it's not Southern Miss, it has to be James Madison. Um, it does not or, matter. Or they need the rest of the conference to lose. But, yeah, there you go. You know, you, you just need one of your last two and you clinch. That's, that's what's got to be on their mind. Um, so... We'll keep you updated on that as uh, it's going to be Coastal Southern Miss this week. They'll go to Virginia for their Week 11 matchup, or excuse me, their Week 12 matchup, and then their Week 13 matchup to end the season is going to be against um, uh, James Madison. So let's get into our favorite part. We're going to get into predictions. We both had winning records. And yes. you're patting yourself on the back, and I understand why, because Kyle went eight and two last week. I went six and four. Um, overall, Kyle leads the series 29 and 22 to my 25 and 26. I've got a good feeling about this week, though. I switched it up. Yes. I wrote my information on a notebook. I'm back to pen and paper. I gotta switch something up because <laughs> this is the second or third straight week that you've beaten me in predictions and I'm telling you, it's not happening this week. So, well, you listen, you keep telling yourself that as we go through, um, here's how we're going to do it. Because like we said last week with men's and women's basketball until conference play starts or until like the football season ends, we're only going to be doing predictions with teams either in tournaments or uh, power seven teams. Power seven conferences, and there's a lot of them this year, uh, in just this week span. So, here are the matchups in men's basketball that we agree on. We agree that Louisiana will finish second place in the Asheville Championship. That tournament also includes Harvard, Elon, and East Tennessee State. We uh, Vanderbilt defeats Southern Miss, LSU defeats Arkansas State, 
Florida State defeats Troy. Louisville defeats App State. And number 20, Alabama beats South Alabama. Women's basketball, Purdue over Marshall, Georgia Tech over Georgia State, Auburn over South Alabama, number three, Texas over Louisiana, Florida State over Georgia State, and Old Miss over Southern Miss. Now, here's where we, um, a couple we wanted to talk about very, very briefly so we can go to the football. Because we disagree on a couple. But there we didn't disagree on a couple. There but is there's, one that we yeah, agree on. That we to about. touch on. Yeah, and that is Georgia State at Georgia Tech men's. We both think Georgia State is going to beat Georgia Tech. It is being held in well, both schools are in Atlanta, so but it's being held at Georgia State. Why, why do you think the Panthers are going to win? Well, you look at the preseason rankings, Georgia Tech is picked to finish at the bottom of the ACC. Georgia State just came off of a year where they went to the tournament. Now, State lost their top six scores. However, Georgia Tech, I think, is it, they've got a lot to prove this year, and I think it's going to be a really, really close game. Like it's going to come down to the mm-hmm. last minute. But I think that I, Georgia yeah. State is going to pull out a victory here. I, I think it's more so not Georgia State being good. It's Georgia Tech just like like they're recovering from like NCAA violations of a previous head coach and just. Yeah, they're they're picked to be one of the worst teams in the uh, ACC this season. Um, I just there's always a there's always an ACC team every non conference play that has the wait did that just happen? And I think that's I think this is going to be that that game. Um, so here's another one that we agreed on. And you actually talked me out of my original pick. We both think, and now all the rest of these games are going to be in women's basketball. We think Coastal Carolina is going to be Kentucky. And you were talking about how the Asia Blunt, you know, we talked about this earlier in the, in the episode, how Asia Blunt really, um, the last minute addition of her kind of change the complexity the makeup of that team. Uh, if Asia Blunt wasn't on there, I would, I would pick Kentucky. But I think Asia Blunt's, you know, that leadership is going to help a um, inexperienced team with a new head coach. And, you know, Kentucky is is a good women's basketball. They're, they're not like the men's team that's revered, but they're they're moving their way up. So, what what makes you think Coastal is going to be Kentucky? Well, as you said, the the addition of Asia Blunt, but also the fact that they just faced off against Georgia, who's in the same conference as Kentucky. They're both in the SEC. They're both middle of the pack teams. And Coastal, honestly, they didn't look bad. You know, like when you're talking about Sun Belt basketball compared to SEC basketball. I think basketball is the only one, um, the the only sport that I think like you can really tell the difference between 
like an elite uh, conference. And, you know, as you work your way down the, uh, the conferences, you, that's the only one that you can really tell the difference between like your five-star prospects and your three-star prospects. I think yeah, in football, it's like everyone's athletic. In baseball, there are NIA there are NAIA schools that can beat D one programs. So, like basketball is really the only one where you see that skill divide. And Coastal had a close game against Georgia. I think it was eighty one seventy eight. So, I mean, like much better score than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, or excuse me, eighty one to seven, or like eighty three to seventy one, or something like that. It was, it was about, it was a little more than 10 points, but it was better yeah. than I thought it was going to be. So for that reason, and the fact that Asia Blunt now through practices is going to actually get to get some of the offense run through her. I mean, you're adding 20 points a game in Asia Blunt based on what yeah. she did last year. So I think that this is a very good chance for an upset. Will it happen? We'll have to wait and see. Right. Um, and you were talking about how like the, you can tell the talent divide between like the power schools and, and um, the uh, mid-majors. And that's more prevalent in women's basketball than men's because especially around tournament time where in the men's tournament you go, okay, I could pick about five or six upsets easy. Women, it's one – like I, there was a, I, I have a running joke that whenever I do the women's uh, bracketology, I'll put all the number one seeds in the final four and then just work backwards. Yeah. I mean, it's there, there's not a whole lot of upsets uh, yeah. in, in women's basketball, but look at like Murray state not too long ago. Um, mm-hmm. So like, I think that it's definitely, or Florida Gulf coast. That's the big one. Oh yeah. Um, but like and, you know, and Florida I, Gulf Coast is, is is a very good women's basketball program here lately. Right. Right. So, so I think this is a good chance for an upset. But there yeah. is one where we disagree on. Yeah, and that is uh, Troy at UCLA. Yes. So I'm picking UCLA because I mean, as as. Dominant as Troy is going to be in in conference play, um, I believe they're going to get at least one or two victories in this non conference slate. Um, I just don't think UCLA is that that squad. They got to go cross country for that, and I'll just I think they're going to give them a fight. It's going to be closer than you expect, but I, I, it's just UCLA is. Uh, I, I think they're on a mission to try to improve from last season. Well, I'm picking the Trojans, and here's right. why. You've got the Sunbelt Player of the Year in Felmas Karanga. She's six foot one. She's a forward. She's a senior from Kenya. She was fantastic last year. You're adding that to Janine Camp. The transfer from Coastal Carolina, 6'5 forward. That height alone is enough to scare a lot of people. But you've also got Sharonica Hartsfield, sophomore guard. She was great as a freshman last year. That's going to be like a big three. 
sort of deal. But you've also got on the bench. I mean, you, the amount of six footers they have on this team, the height is what's going to get them this win. I think that this Trojans team, as I've already said, they're a lock. Like I, I've got them winning. Right. The, I've got them winning the conference. I've got them getting the auto bid. And I think that this is a good time to say, you know what? Like, let's let's crack down here. Let's get a uh, let's get a win against UCLA. They'll uh, they they faced off against Samford first. They're one and zero on the season, and then uh, tomorrow night, Thursday, November tenth, they're going to go up against UT Martin, and then they'll go into UCLA on the uh, in in the Pac twelve. So, I think that it's more yeah. than possible, but we will see what happens. All right. Um. Yeah. So let's let's move into football. Real quick, um, we have a couple first time. Um, actually, we have several first ever meetings in this uh, slate of games. UMass at Arkansas State. TJ, um, we we called a UMass game against Coastal last year, and um, is Arkansas State, despite the fact that they are not going to be, go bowling, are they going to try to rack up as many wins as possible? I think so. Uh, it's hard to go UMass here. Um, Arkansas State is talented. Um, their record doesn't show it, but UMass is no disrespect to UMass, but they are historically bad. Um, so I am going to go with Arkansas State here. Yeah. Um, UMass hasn't been good since they were a member of the Atlantic 10, which was now the Colonial Athletic Association. That's a story I, 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 I could do. I could talk about how one conference has had like five different names. But anyway, um, they have, ever since they moved to uh, FBS, they haven't. They haven't even sniffed ball eligibility, and it's going to continue. I'm 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 surprised they're still in FBS, right? To to be honest, uh, if there's a team that's a candidate for doing what Idaho did in 2017, 2018, it's UMass. But yeah, Arkansas State's going to win. Um, Army continues its um, audition for Sun Belt Conference membership as they take on Troy for the first time ever. TJ, on Veterans Day weekend, do you have the armed forces? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I think that uh, I think that Troy's on a mission right now. They're going to use Army as a way to um, they're they're going to use Army as a way to prepare for the rest of their Sun Belt season. They've still got a division to clinch. Uh, I don't think it's time to uh, take their foot off the pedal. So. I've got the Troy uh, Trojans in this one. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I got to agree with you on that. Uh, I, I got Troy too. Um, Army is just—I don't know. They're—they're they're not. They're coming off a loss to Air Force. Air Force clinching the Commander in Chief Trophy for the first time since 2016. For anyone unaware of what that is, the Army, Navy, and Air Force round robin, whoever wins the most games, gets the Commander-in-Chief trophy. So Army's coming off that loss. 
Troy is wanting to clinch the division. So, yeah, Troy. ULM at Georgia State. Georgia State is on a two-game um, – Actually, I can't say if they're on a two-game winning streak or not, but the last UM victory was in 2019. Georgia State leads the big season 4-3. to three. Uh, These are two teams that their record doesn't tell the whole story. Does Georgia State end UOM's bowl hopes? That's tough. It, well, that's, it, well, that's why we asked. Right. <laughs> it's it's tough ask because... ULM got back on the right track against Texas State. They beat them by one point, but they're going up against the best second-half team in the Sun Belt for the past couple of years. I think that and, – and, and Coach Bowden said it in his post-game interview uh, or his post-game press conference uh, this week. Um, it was nice to get back on track. Uh, they still got some things to work out. I think that – it's going to end up being Georgia State. Um, Georgia State gets this win. They continue their strong second half, and they're going to wait for Coastal to slip, which I, I don't. I'm not sure if they will, but they'll uh, they, they'll get this win this week. Um, hold on. <clears throat> so you said Georgia State. I said Georgia State. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure. Um, I want to go ULM. I really do. But in more in uh, inconsistencies with ULM than Georgia State. So this is starting to become a boring football segment as I'm picking Georgia State as well. James Madison and Old Dominion meet for the first time since November 2012 when both were members of the Colonial Athletic Association. Old Dominion won that game. Does James Madison get its revenge 10 years later? I'm going to let you take the first one on this one. Okay, okay, all right. I, I see what you're trying to do. You, 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 you're trying to stretch it out, aren't you? All right, Maybe. so... Um, I, James Madison is on a three game losing streak for the first time in almost a decade. I do not know when the last time they lost four in a row. I do not believe they will. We will have to find out that information because I believe old dominion peaked with the coastal victory they have been falling downhill ever since. So I have James Madison getting back on track. Wait, you confused me there. You said you, you thought that James Madison peaked or Old Dominion peaked? No, I said Old Dominion peaked with the Coastal oh, okay. win. Oh, well, then in that case, it's still boring. I got James Madison for the exact <laughs> same reason. Um, it's it's about time. They, you know, gambler's fallacy. They're due. Um, they... That you know, three straight is not how you start a, uh, a, a an undefeated season for the first half. I did, you know, it, it's James Madison. All right, Georgia Southern at Louisiana. Uh, Georgia State, uh, Georgia Southern, excuse me, has not won in this series since 2017. TJ, who you got? 
Streaks are meant to be broken. Okay. Georgia Southern still has one of the most talented offenses in the nation. Louisiana having an extreme down year. And I just don't see it going any other way. I didn't think Georgia Southern was going to lose last week. And I still don't think they're going to lose this week. They, I got Georgia Southern. All right. I mean, I agree. You know, Georgia Southern is got a, is a very talented team. Um, but I, I don't. I think just for making things a little more interesting, I think it's a close game. Louisiana had Texas State dead to rights and let Texas State come back. I think they're going to take that frustration out on on uh, Georgia Southern. I have Louisiana. Leaving the door open for As, me, guys. Uh, well, you, 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 you know my track record with upsets. Well, speaking of upsets, you got Texas okay. State at South Alabama next. Kyle, right. there's, there will be no upset. South Alabama is on a tear. They are still in the conversation for the West. You have to believe that they are going to be firing on all cylinders. I've got South Alabama in a big one over Texas State. So here, here's a strange thing about the series. The away team has never won in this series. The home team has always won. Texas State has the ability to do it. I believe that South Alabama will win. There you go. All We're switching right. roles here. You're you're drawing it out, and I'm I'm just being <laughs> real quick about it. So I'll let you have your fun this week. Uh, for okay. the next game, we've got App State at Marshall. Now, like we said, this one has some emotion and some tradition on the line for Marshall. It is the anniversary of the fatal plane crash that um, took the lives of the Marshall football team. Um, they will be hosting App State, uh, who just came off of a loss to uh, Coastal Carolina. I'm going to take this one first. Okay. App I do want to say one thing. The winner of this the winner of this game will be bowl eligible because both teams are five and four. That's another thing about it. App State leads the series nine to seven. The last App State road victory was in 1995. App State, I've been saying all year, is the most well-rounded team, I think, in the Sun Belt. And I still believe that even now, it, it was going to be different if Grayson McCall didn't get uh, – um, uh, sidelined for the rest of the season. I thought that I was going to come into this podcast saying that Coastal Carolina is officially back and there's another wrench in the gears. But I think that App State is the best well round is the most well-rounded team in the Sun Belt. That being said, Kalan Laburn is back on track. Marshall has something to fight for. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be Marshall with the upset. 
Okay. So, the one thing I've, I've noticed about some of these games this year is when there is an emotional, like, you know, something emotional about the game, it doesn't necessarily go the way it should. So, it is going to be a close game. You mean like uh, you mean like Coastal Carolina homecoming? Right. Yeah. So, Kalon Laybourne is going to get his 100 yards. But I am going to say in overtime, App State wins. So, close game for you. Yes. Okay. I'm not saying whether I think it's close or not. I, I just, yeah, I, I'm not going to go that far. But I will say that Marshall pulls that upset, which brings us to our last game. Southern Miss at Coastal Carolina in Conway. Grayson McCall sidelined. We're going to have to wait and see for kickoff who gets the start, Jarrett Guest or Bryce Carpenter. But this is a Coastal team that has been on the upswing ever since their loss from Old Dominion. Kyle, who do you have in the – oh, I should also mention that they are one win away from clinching the East. So now that I have said that and properly introduced you, Kyle, who do you have in this game? Hmm. Would you like me to draw it out and be dramatic about it? Sure. Okay. Coastal. Uh, enough said. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no. Honestly, I, I think they're they're going to play with urgency. Uh, even though uh, McCall's out, uh, they're going to play with urgency because they they want to be able to clinch the division on their own and not have to worry about other outside teams controlling their destiny. Well, and here's the other thing, because. I'm not going to be dramatic about it. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say that I think Coastal wins this game, but not necessarily for that reason. I think that Grayson McCall going down is going to send a shockwave through that locker room. It probably already has. Um, the You got Bryce Carpenter and Jarek Guest. Jarek Guest, in my opinion, is the better passer, and they are both extremely talented runners. Bryce Carpenter able to lower his shoulder and fight for those extra yards. I think that this is going to bring out that coastal Carolina team from, from 2020. If they go back to the triple option uh, primarily as their, as their um, preferred offense throughout this game and through the rest of the season, Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a really scrappy coastal Carolina team. They're going to fight for everything because they know that they don't have 70% completion rate to back it up anymore. Uh, Grayson McCall is on the sidelines and the pass game is going to take a drop. But I really think that, you know, if, especially if, cause we did see, we did see that Braden Bennett, uh, one of the running backs that has not played all season for coastal, he was up on in, in pregame and he was suited up and they wanted to see how he was feeling was the, the rumor around campus. I think that they might bring him back for this game and they might have he him and uh, and and Reese White leading the offense in what I can only describe as a killer triple option. They're going to whip out the 2020 playbook, and I think that it's going to. I don't think it's going to be even close because Southern Miss has been scouting all season for Grayson McCall, 
And I yes. think now they're now they're going to whip out the 2020 playbooks and they're going to give them something that they haven't seen a whole lot of. So I've got coastal. I, I, okay. I, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I, I just, once again, an injury with this late, it basically, and maybe it was kind of, you know, I don't want to say, you know, this is just speculation. Um, uh, have, I have no, no uh, acknowledgement of this, but the game is a Saturday night tip off. You wait until Wednesday afternoon to announce that he's done for the season. So now Southern Miss has been preparing all week for Grayson McCall. And now they probably may have like one practice left to plan for either Bryce Harper or Bryce Carpenter or Jared, uh, Jared Guest. So, and I think it's going to be a healthy mix. I don't think that Bryce Carpenter actually changes his role. I think that he gets some more snaps, but I think that it's going to be mainly triple option and you're going to see a lot more passing out of Carpenter. And I think that guest is going to have a breakout game. Maybe, maybe it's one of those where they, they play a dual quarterback uh, situation. Uh, put guest in for more passing downs, put Carpenter in for more rushing downs. So, yeah. And I mean, you already but, saw coastal, you already saw the coastal tried to do that when uh, they threw a hail Mary. Um, I don't remember which game it was, but they, they brought, they, there was a hail Mary at the end of the half and they didn't have McCall throw it. They had guest throw it. Right. Um, I don't know, man, but it's, I think honestly, it's going to be a very interesting week of football. Um, there, there are situations where legitimately, um, I think if South Alabama loses to Texas State, Troy basically clinches a share of the West. A coastal win clinches them the East. So, a, a, even if Coastal loses, if Old Dominion loses to James Madison, Old Dominion is the only team that could um, w- win the tiebreaker against Coastal. Who knows? So we could see who is going to be in the championship game this week. But right, that's all we've got for you today. Week 11 coming up in Sunbelt football, and we've got basketball underway My name is TJ O'Sullivan, that's Kyle Nashheim, and we will see you next week where we will hopefully have some more uh, information on uh, Grayson McCall, and we'll see you next week.